We'll start with Isaiah. That, uh, that beautiful story of Isaiah's vision and call in the temple actually is a beautiful Christmas carol, the tune of which I cannot get out of my head in the year that King Uzziah died. But it's, uh, it describes one of the most extraordinary um, visions of the prophet. Now, Isaiah is in the temple. It is, uh, as he dates it, the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah may have been a priest. We, we're not sure of that, but it looks like it, sounds like it. He sounds a little bit like the a later prophet Ezekiel. And he sees the Lord on his throne with the great six-winged seraphim. Six wings, two cover their faces, two cover their feet, and two they fly. And if we listen to Ezekiel, they, they move sort of without flying like a bird. They just move. It's awesome. Anyway, I commend Ezekiel to your reading as well. And that he hears the, cher- the seraphim crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Hebrew word there is sabaoth, which means Lord God of the angel armies of the sky. Uh, quite a vision. And Isaiah upon seeing this, immediately and quite naturally feels profoundly his unworthiness, his sinfulness. He says, upon seeing this, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have seen the Lord of hosts. But one of the seraphim flies to the altar where the coals are burning for the incense and takes tongs and touches Isaiah's mouth and purges his lips and says, you have been cleansed. And uh, then Isaiah hears the Lord say, who will go for us? Notice the plural, by the way, a little early anticipation of the holy and undivided trinity in this vision. Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Now just hold on to that, because now we're going to fast forward. Isaiah uh, will, by the way, uh, heed this vision. He becomes a national leader and a counselor to kings, a most effective one, particularly with good king Hezekiah. He got there, even though it's in the history of Israel, too little, too late. We fast forward to the gospel 700 plus years later. And we have St. Story, Peter, and the other apostles to their apostleship. St. Peter is with Jesus on the Lake of Gennesaret. Luke calls the Sea of Galilee the Lake of Gennesaret. And I think that's because Luke was widely traveled and he had been on the Mediterranean. And he didn't think the Sea of Galilee was a sea. He thought it was a lake. Um, Actually, the Sea of Galilee is quite impressive. But I suppose if you've sailed on the Mediterranean, it's not. So, he's on the lake of Gennesaret. A crowd has been pressing on Jesus to hear him preach the word of God. Can you imagine that, being in that congregation, hearing God incarnate preach the word? They press on Jesus, and Jesus quite practically commandeers one of Peter's boats and pushes out so that the crowd cannot overwhelm him and so that he can be seen and heard. And so the crowd gathers, Peter and probably his brother Andrew who worked with him, and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee and others are there. And after Jesus is done preaching, 
he asks Peter to put out into the deep and let down his nets for a catch, which they did all night, fruitlessly. And Peter tells Christ this, as though Christ didn't know it, but at your word, Lord, I will do it. So they go out, and we know that a miracle ensues, a real biblical catch, where the nets are overwhelmed, additional boats are called in, and they are overwhelmed, and like Isaiah, St. Peter sees the glory of God here, the omniscience and the omnipotence of God, and he, like Isaiah, feels his unworthiness to be there. And he falls down at Jesus' knees. I've always been very affected by this, where he says, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And like Isaiah, Peter is empowered to do some things. Do not be afraid, says Christ, as he so often says, from now on, you will become fisher, you will fish for people. Now, stop this, stop this train here. I prefer the King James, thank you very much, which says, from now on, you will be fishers of men. There's a play on words there, and it's a pity that we've lost it, but that's another sermon for another day. Do not fear, from now on, you will be fishers of men. And Peter as we know, um, lives up to this enacted sign, and he and the apostles will indeed be catching people for Christ. So what happens here in these two calls? Both of these leaders in the Old Testament and the New Testament see the glory and the power of God, and in seeing it, they are commissioned to broadcast it, to share it, and although they are unworthy and sinners, they are nevertheless made able to share it by the power of God. It's God's glory, it's God's message, and it is God's empowerment. If he wants the errand run, it will be run, and he will make the errand runner capable. And that is what happens with both Isaiah and Peter. Uh, this isn't about me, but I will tell you that uh, my own call to the uh, priesthood in college happened upon my rediscovering Christ, studying for a test, uh, a quiz actually on the gospel, and I remember as time went on after that extraordinary experience, lights began to go on, pennies began to drop, bells began to ring, and I began to get it. And I remember thinking, this news is so good, it demands to be shared and that's what I'm going to do. There it is right there in a nutshell, in a much lesser way, but there's the call, the vision of the glory of God, the commission to spread the word, and the empowerment to do so. Now, where do you come in in all this? Did you hear St. Paul's epistle, 1 Corinthians 15 there? That's the uh, epistle for Easter morning, and it's where Paul says, "I." told you that it is of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and then he appeared to a series of people, Peter, the apostles, 500 brethren or 400 brethren at one time, 
On and on go, even, the, even James, the Lord's brother, and on he goes to himself, who at the time of his revelation was a persecutor. He does get in, though, that I worked harder than all the rest of them, kind of making up for lost time. I love that in Paul. He says, I'm the least of the apostles, but I worked harder than all of them. And, uh, and so Paul, Paul says that you, he's the Corinthians, that was a very mixed bag, much more mixed than we are, actually. A very mixed bag of people all over the map spiritually and demog demographically. Corinth was a big cosmopolitan Roman city in Greece. And uh, each one of those people in that Corinthian church was there because he or she had had some kind of a glimpse or an experience or a taste of the risen life of Jesus. There's the vision of the glory. And if you stick with it, as you know, you get more and more of this. Bells begin to ring, lights go on, pennies drop, and you begin to grasp the gospel. And it is good news. It's so good that it demands that we share it. That is our call here, of all things, at St. Peter's Church in Narragansett, to share what we have seen with others so that they too can be fed by the body of the risen Christ. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, amen.